Thanks for downloading this show from PC1. Before we get rolling, here's a word from one of the folks who helped bring you this podcast. The following program is a podcast1.com production. I'm so glad you're with us today on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. Clark Deals is our bargain site, ClarkDeals.com. If you've not been there, check it out. I'm going to talk about deals for your wallet in just a second. Coming up in 20 minutes, I got to talk to you in today's Clark Radius moment about student loan forgiveness. There's some weird things going on with that. Need to talk to you about proper documentation and how you protect yourself with your student loans. And coming up in a half hour, I have a warning for you if you are a small business doing business with Wells Fargo, but beyond a small business doing business with Wells Fargo, I have key tips for you at your business doing business with whatever bank you're using. And that's coming up in just 30 minutes. As I said, I want to talk about a deal for your wallet, and it involves your cell phone service. There have been such major changes in the business ever since T-Mobile got that foul mouth John Ledger running itself. The guy looks like some kind of middle-aged guy trying to act like a 20-year-old kid. He's got uh, this weird hair, and he used to be like a guy who was completely corporatized in the full uh, corporate suit deal, very conservatively tailored and all that. And then he became this uh, guy who's trying to be with it and like he's with some kind of heavy metal band or something. And good for him because he changed what you pay and what you get for cell phone service. He blew the anti-consumer business model of the cell phone industry apart and decided that instead of doing everything again and again that people hate and just keeping doing what people hate, which to me is kind of like a definition of insanity, he said, why don't we give people what they want? And he changed the relationship of the cell phone industry to its customers. Everybody else came along kicking and screaming, but even if you don't use T-Mobile, you got to thank this unusual guy john ledger who i'm telling you the guy uses cuss words as connectors where the rest of us would use a and and the um and he loves poking fun at the competitors he used to i think he used to work for at&t but he hates them and they hate him and it seems to work out well for both of them But what's especially worked out well is for you, and I want to take a moment and address something I have failed to that I know. You know, I know when I get feedback from people as I wander around the country, that's when I learn I've missed something. So when the cell phone rates went to uh, unlimited data a few months ago, All I kept talking about is for a family of four, this is what you'd pay. Family of four with this one, family of four with that one, family of four with the next one, family of four with the last one. 
Well, most people don't buy a plan as a family of four. They buy a plan as a family of one or two, most often as two. And I totally ignored you. So I went back and I looked at the rates for one person and for two people. And for one person, there are great deals available on the AT&T network, the Sprint network, and the T-Mobile network. But here's the riddle. The great deal for one person is not with the brand name company. In any case, it's with their discount brand that they fully own, but they have for price-sensitive customers. And so as an example, if you want to be on AT&T's network, and get the best deal you can for one person with unlimited talk, unlimited text, unlimited data, Cricket Wireless, which is AT&T and everything but name, $55 a month for one person. For two people, it's 100 Now, again, that's Cricket Wireless, AT&T. You can take your AT&T phones... Take them to Cricket, go on Cricket, have the same number, and the only difference is you pay a lot less money. It's that simple. You can also take a phone from T-Mobile and take it to Cricket if you don't like T-Mobile's network and you want to go on AT&T's network and you can just put your phone right on Cricket. On the other hand, for one person... Metro PCS, which is T-Mobile's discount brand, $50 a month for one person, $80 a month for two. And again, Metro PCS is T-Mobile in all but name. They own it. It's theirs. But you got to understand the way the cell phone market works. There are people that are price-oriented. There are people that are brand-oriented. So each cell phone carrier deals with both type of customers. So if you are really price-oriented and you like being on T-Mobile, you'll love being on Metro if there's one or two people. You'll save money. Again, 50 a month, unlimited talk, text, and data for one, 80 for two. If you love Sprint's network, Sprint's the unloved poor red-headed stepchild of the cell phone industry. Anyway, their network supposedly is great now. I don't know. But their discount brand is called Boost Mobile. Same exact prices as I just gave you with Metro. $50 unlimited everything for one, $80 for two. Now, if you want to be with one of the four brand names, T-Mobile offers the best deal for two people. Of the, the big four, 100 a month. That's all in, no junk fees past 100 a month. Two people, unlimited data, unlimited talk, unlimited text. You want to go on AT&T brand, it's 115 for two lines. For the unlimited data, blah, blah, blah. Okay, why didn't I mention Verizon? Verizon's discount brand... 
that is called Total Wireless, still does not offer an unlimited data plan. Verizon still thinks corporately, culturally, is wanting to meter you for everything and hit you with overages. That's their thing. If you like that thing, go for it. Now, they reluctantly, at mainline Verizon, at the flagship, are now selling unlimited data plans. But it's my belief they're only doing so because they've lost so many millions and millions and millions of customers to T-Mobile principally because they were no longer competitive in the marketplace. And their discount flank, they're still not competitive in the marketplace. Adam is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Adam. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great, thank you, Adam. What's going on with you? How can I serve you? All right. Um, I had a quick question for you. I'm 32 years old and have changed jobs and got... uh, about $30,000 left in a 401k from my old employer. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Good job. Great job, actually, that by age 32, you'd already saved 30000 in a 401k. That's something that you should really pat yourself on the back for. Perfect. Thank you. Um, and I've, I've currently changed jobs. And um, my question is, is should I take this money and roll it into the 401k program that my current employer has um, or roll that into a Roth um, fund since my age is relatively young. So if you roll it into a Roth from your old employer's 401k, you'll have to pay income tax on the 30000 Okay. You can roll it into an IRA and pay no tax and keep its status basically as it's been. But there's a third option you didn't mention. And that is you have the right under the law to leave it in your old employer's 401k. And sometimes that's a great option. So let me tell you how you decide. Every 90 days, the statement you get from a current or former employer for a 401k has to now disclose to you the total costs you're paying for having your 401k with them. So a great 401k will have total costs that are under half a percent. That's for the investments you have in it and for the administrative costs for the 401k. Was your old employer a really large company, a midsize, or a small one? No, very large. So if they were very large, the odds are they have a very low-cost 401k plan. Do you have... Do you have access after we talk here, Adam, to look at one of your old statements? Um, Absolutely. So look at one, see what the all-in costs are. If they are below half a percent, then unless your new employer is another giant employer and has a very low-cost plan, I would just leave the money behind. On the other hand, if your new employer, you get your first statement from them and they turn out to have a low-cost 401k, then it's to your advantage not to have accounts hanging out all over the place because over a career, you could end up with, who knows, five, seven, ten different 401ks. You'd want to move the money from them to the new employer. Okay. And whoever administers the plan, it's not the same administrator, is it, by any chance? 
the same two companies, no, it's not. Okay. So the new company, if it turns out to be a low-cost one, they'll have paperwork that you'll sign, they'll want a copy of one of your quarterly statements, and then they will handle moving the money from the old plan to your new employer plan. Okay. But I would not suggest, if you're, if it turns out that your old employer plan is low-cost, I wouldn't suggest moving the money to your own IRA. I would either leave it where it is, or if the new employer has low cost, move it to it. Okay, perfect. I, I did like the operating system on their website a lot better than the new one, so if it's lower, I'm going to leave it there. Perfect. That's a good idea. And again, congratulations to you for the discipline you've shown and the money you've saved, Adam, already is you keep building up those reserves and retirement accounts, you are creating control of your own future. Mike is with us on the Clark Howard Show with a question about Chromebooks. How are you, Mike? Hey, Clark. I'm doing great. How are you? Wonderful. What do you want to uh, talk about Chromebooks about? So, so Clark, here's, here's my question. So right now I have a MacBook and an iPhone, and I find that it's really easy to get support for those. I found that... Um, in addition to being able to call Apple, you can go to the Apple Store and get uh, just about any support that you need. And I've even discovered that uh, even once my hardware is out of warranty, they still help me out. So the question is, I've heard you talk about the virtues of Chromebooks. And I'm wondering um, if you get stuck in any way with a Chromebook, either hardware or using the apps, how do you get support for them? You throw it away. I mean, basically, they're so cheap, they're almost disposable appliances. And there's really nothing to need support for, because all a Chromebook is, is it's a completely stripped-down web surfing machine. So all it does is allow you to surf the web and do web-based apps, if you will. So you can use things like um, uh, Windows 365, you can use the Google apps, you can use anybody's... uh, you know, ability to store things remotely. But all you're doing with it is you're surfing. It's complete, It's a different kind of mentality and different kind of thought than like a MacBook Pro. So, and so, so they're really say, cheap. So, so let's say for using the apps themselves, if you get stuck there, are there user communities, user groups online that could help you with that? You know, I have no idea because I'm kind of a techno idiot, and since I bought my first Chromebook, I've never used my Apple computer again. I finally gave it away to my son because it's so much easier to use the Chromebook, and I've never had a problem with one except I use the one I travel with so much that the hinges are starting to break, and I paid $119 for it as a recondition. So at some point, it'll just become useless to me. So it's a whole different kind of mentality, Mike, than thinking about uh, needing Apple Care or needing after-purchase support or anything like that. With a Chromebook, it's something that you don't even have to think about when you buy it, when you use it. They're so simple. Today's Clark Rageous moment concerns something that has been a big issue for our country, and that is the out-of-control level of debt on student loans. Now, by the most recent estimate I saw, $1.4 trillion. When you get to numbers like that, people start to lose perspective. So here's the thing you need to know. 
there's a very large number of student loan borrowers that qualify for loan forgiveness on federal student loans. But people don't know how the plan works, how you qualify, and particularly for people in public service jobs, where after 10 years of employment, 120 months, you qualify for forgiveness of the remainder of your student loans. People are assuming that the jobs they're in will qualify them for it, but you actually need to go through a process of certification. And if you qualify, there's a special certification form, and then it means that you are eligible for the 10-year loan forgiveness. What's Clark Rages is people are talking to somebody at the U.S. Department of Education. They think they're okay for it, and only later do they find out they're not A-OK. Read my briefings at Clark.com on how loan forgiveness works. Go to the website ed.gov and learn what you need to. Okay, here are some really surprising car facts for you. In Churchill, Canada, residents leave their cars unlocked. That's in case someone needs to escape a polar bear. It's true. And in Sweden, drivers are required by law to keep their headlights on at all times. Day, night, rain, sunshine, doesn't matter. And now, here's another interesting and actually helpful thing about cars that you might not know. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for new cars. Their certified dealer network also has an inventory of over 700,000 pre-owned cars nationwide. So whether you're looking for a new or used car, you can get real pricing on actual inventory and a better buying experience through the TrueCar certified dealer network. Oh yeah, here's another fun fact. TrueCar customers can see if they're getting a good or great price before they buy. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying process when they connect with their TrueCar certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy that car, new or used, visit TrueCar and enjoy a better car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Thanks for being with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our website. Clark.com slash ask is where you ask us whatever you want to. And remember, you can ask for advice off the air from a member of our team. It's free. We provide off the air advice nine hours each weekday. You can see on our front page, slide down it, you'll see how to get the free off the air advice. I want to talk to you if you are a small business owner. For years, I have taken very upsetting calls from people who own their own business and got ripped off on a merchant processing agreement for credit cards. It has been an area rife with abuse for as long as I can remember. Very aggressive Salespeople get you to sign a contract for a credit card processing machine at 20 times what one should cost with an ultra-long time commitment paying month after month after month on a contract you can't break without massive penalties. And then to make matters worse, you get lied to. I mean lied to about what you'll pay for accepting credit cards And somehow, magically, 
with all the fees, junk fees, and others thrown in, you end up losing potentially 3% of your sales to credit card fees. Well, now a big name in this business has been called out. You may have heard of them. It's a company called Wells Fargo that now stands accused of having cheated small businesses in huge numbers and taken advantage of them in credit card processing. Now, usually it won't be a big name like Wells Fargo. It's just important to note that Wells Fargo is having yet another scandal in this area because the bank is so dirty. But I want you to know that if you are starting a business or you have a business, that if you don't pay attention to what you're paying in credit card processing fees, it's every wasted dollar comes straight out of your pocket. For many businesses now, the cost of credit card processing fees may exceed your labor costs in your business. There's a whole different set of issues involving the Visa MasterCard cartel. That's a whole different thing. But I'm talking about what you can control. That's why, as best I know, the fastest growing service offered by Costco Wholesale and Sam's Club is credit card merchant processing. No games, no gimmicks, and complete transparency in the fees you're going to pay. The fee levels through the Costco merchant processing program and the Sam's Club merchant processing program are much lower than you may be paying right now. And I don't want you to be taken advantage of. I want you to get the best deal you can for your business. And what I'm so excited about is how transparent they are. Okay, so for Costco members, the clearing is 1.22%. If you're doing online, it's 1.99%. I can tell you, based on what you're paying, that's probably substantially less, and Sam's is equivalent. In addition, if you run a business on the go and you have not a huge dollar volume, you are almost certainly going to be best served by Square. The Square device allows you to take both chip cards and swipe, It's something you can add right into your phone or onto a tablet, and there you go. You're you're set. No monthly fee, no monthly minimum, 2.75% per transaction. So 2.75 is not a great rate, but if you're doing a low volume and you don't have to pay all the other fees, it is an all-in great rate. And by the way, I did something bad when I mentioned the Costco thing. I didn't mention there's a $0.12 per transaction. So it's the $1.22 plus $0.12. And again, Sam's Club is equivalent. So whichever you're a member of, compare anybody else's offer to what you're offered on equipment by either of the warehouse clubs, 
and what you're offered for per item clear. And I want you to pay attention to this. And with equipment, do not lease the equipment. Do not lease the equipment. It is a way to seriously take advantage of you, and I don't want that. Now, if you do online business only, look at opportunities where you, as an example, can take PayPal as the way of clearing your transactions. The advantage of doing that with online only is you don't have to worry about the security issues with accepting people's credit because the or debit or whatever, however they would be paying on PayPal to you because it then becomes PayPal's responsibility because they essentially become the merchant processor and there is enhanced risk for you at an online business when you set up clearing cards on your own site as the merchant. And if there's a data breach in that case, you're on the hook, you're responsible. And that's why using something like PayPal is a great alternative. Barbara's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Barbara. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great, thank you. You want to talk about something that high schoolers are into now. Well, actually, it's not high schoolers. It's more their parents. Um, We're getting closer to that time of year when everybody wants to celebrate their child. You know, my child has done this. They're graduating from here. They're headed in this direction to a certain college. And they used to play on this team. And they go so far as to even tell what the new team is going to be at the child. But they put this Clark on a banner at the front of their neighborhood. And it has the child's name. Obviously, they live in, in that subdivision. It tells where they go to school. And unfortunately, in, in one case, I actually saw a face applied next to all three names. Now, do you really think this is a good idea? <laughs> okay, so this has been almost like a neighborhood-by-neighborhood neighborhood war going on well, that, in a number a of war. suburban communities around the country where you, yeah. you're driving down a main drag in a suburb, and each yeah. uh, development you come up to, they'll have out front, congratulations to this year's graduates of so-and-so school, and then it'll have all kinds of personal information about each of the kids, just like you describe. And yeah. I know it's done with the best of intention, but there's a number of potential vulnerabilities with this. What kind of things have uh, filled your imagination with worry? Well, um, first of all, they spell the child's name absolutely correctly, and they put in a middle initial, so they give you everything. Um, you could probably Google the child, especially if they're on a football team or a team, and find out exactly you know where they played, guess at their age, okay? And it doesn't too much take too much imagination for a real savvy computer person to maybe find a Facebook account and clip a photo. And then you've got an, an ID, you know, a fake ID. And all it takes is a little bit more digging and maybe, maybe even going to an online campus or a campus and following, you know, students around, clipping a social security number 
it doesn't take too much imagination in my mind to give that kid a ruined record. So you, what you're worried about is that these neighborhood signs are actually creating a direct pathway to identity theft as right. one possible thing. I yeah. See, I was concerned a step beyond identity theft. I was concerned about uh, young ladies being subject to um, predators or... Uh, you know, something like that, because there's so much information being given out on these signs, and uh, 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 somebody who's up to no good drive through a neighborhood, see a last name on a mailbox, tie it back to that 17-year-old young lady or 18-year-old young lady, and who knows what happens from there. Well, then, yes, and let's just guess. Let's say um, the other part of the thing that they usually announce somewhere in the neighborhood, if you have a, an HOA or something, is they put up a huge sign that says graduation party on this night, okay? And again, because... Then they, they know which houses to rob while everybody's at the party. Well, that too. That wow. Too, but also, again, the you know, the propensity for someone to clip a, po- a photo, you know, listen for the name and get the photo, and you're right. An online predator is, is not too far behind. You don't want to think these things, and the parents love their kids. You know, sure, celebrate them, but please don't put their life out there because sometimes it's happened before, as I think you've figured that out in the past, is that a kid's six years old, someone's already taken his Social Security number, and he gets to college, and he's got that credit. Well, Barbara, uh, you and I have done a great job making parents 100% paranoid. <laughs> and hopefully nothing bad will ever happen to any of these kids but I think the neighborhoods putting up these signs need to think through how much information is put on those signs and how that might create vulnerabilities. At the same time, you're trying to show uh, how proud you are of the people who've been successful in your neighborhood and are going off into life or college or work or whatever, the military, and protecting people's privacy and being careful how that information is shared is very good advice, Barbara. Aaron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Aaron. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I really good, like your you. show. Thank you. <laughs> so um, I had a question about, I just graduated last year, so I'm kind of looking to relocate and get some new job opportunities. Um, next week, I have three interviews in a different state, a uh, significant pay increase, about $15,000 pay increase, but I still have a six months, I, I still have six months left on my lease here in Florida. And I was just kind of wondering, I was reading over my lease and it looks like, it's looking like I'm going to have to pay the rest of it, no matter what the way it's written. So I'm kind of wondering would you recommend that move for that amount of pay increase or would you recommend that I kind of wait a few more months until I'm kind of closer to the end of my lease and then start looking again? How much is your rent per month? My rent is 800 per month. So we're talking $4,800 and you're not going to move the second you have an offer. So it probably won't be a full six months. Um, probably not quite, but it'll be pretty close. All right. So let's say it's four grand we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. How much per year more would you be making in likely in any of these three jobs if one or more are offered uh, to you? 
It's it's going to be significant. It's going to be about fifteen thousand dollars more than I'm making right now. So don't so worry it's, about it's the fourth six months. <laughs> yeah, but don't worry about that four thousand at all. And you may be able to go to the landlord and say you can have my apartment immediately to re rent, and I will pay you two months rent as penalty. Will you want? Do you, will you want to do that? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, they may they may say yes to that offer (laughs) because then they have the potential to get double rent on your unit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my um, property manager is really terrible, though. So I'm kind of worried about them not trying to find someone else. (laughs) Well, that's why that's why you say here here I'll pay you. Let's sign a deal. I'll pay you two months rent and you have my Mm -hmm. place vacant immediately in condition to re-rent. And, okay. you know, money talks. So you can try that. But if you're telling me four versus 15 and you get to experience a whole new part of the country where you're looking at work, I think you go. Even if there's consequences with you having a hiccup with the rent you're going to have to cover and not be able to use the place. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. That's, that's kind of the answer I was looking for. And where would you be <laughs> moving to? Take on it. Where would you be moving? Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> where? Sorry? Nashville. Nashville. Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, Nashville is in right now. Gosh, you talk about cities in America that have really positive mojo. Nashville is near the top of the list. Our producer, Joel, has an Ask Clark for you. That's where you post a question for me online that he asks. What you got? Clark, Cindy has a question. She says, I'd like to purchase stock for my two grandchildren. Can you recommend where to invest it? I don't have a lot to start with, but I was thinking of starting with $200 per child. Wow. Okay, I got a plan. And it's a great plan, too. Actually, it's not mine. It's Charles Schwab. Charles Schwab will allow you to open what's known as a custodial account for $100 minimum. So you can open a Schwab account for each of your grandkids. And you got 200, so you're double the minimum. And then Schwab offers a lot of fund choices known as ETFs, exchange traded funds, that you can buy for your grandkids commission free. And if you were starting with something, I'd like for you to look at what's known as the Schwab Broad Market ETF. You don't have to know what all that means, they'll help you with it. But what it means is that you buy one stock called this Broad Market ETF. And in that stock, they own little pieces of several thousand American companies. So your grandkids will own little tiny chunks with their $200 of just about every company in America. Again, open a Schwab custodial account for each of the grandkids, and then take your money and put it in the Schwab Broad Market ETF commission-free And then you can add to it every year on their birthdays, Christmas, whatever. All right, Clark. And John wants to say, not a question, but a thank you for several several years ago mentioning how to extend a man's razor blade by rinsing and drying the blade so it doesn't rust. He says he just threw away my last blade yesterday after using it consistently daily for 16 months straight. 16? 16? I thought I was crazy making it 14 months once. I don't think I've ever heard anybody have a blade last that long. Wow. Good for you. By the way, we have a razor blade challenge going on right now among our staff. We are all trying a razor blade that has kind of like a cult following that's a 50-cent blade 
It's a, actually a 50-cent razor with six blades. We're going to report back in a couple of weeks what our experience is, if that's another way to save on shaving. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans proudly supports this podcast. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust, someone who's got your best interests in mind. And with Rocket Mortgage, you'll get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in just minutes. You can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure that you get the mortgage solution that's right for you. So whether you're looking to buy a home or refinance your existing mortgage, you can lift the burden of getting a home loan with Rocket Mortgage. Skip the bank. Skip the waiting. Go completely online at quickenloans.com slash save. That's quickenloans.com slash S-A-V-E. Let Rocket Mortgage help you get the exact mortgage solution that you need. Go to quickenloans.com slash save. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our website. Clarkdeals.com is where you see ways to save money. Coming up in just a half hour, there are some things I want you to think about before you get in an Uber car or a Lyft car. I think that it's important for you to hear what I have to say to make sure you stay safe. And that's in 30 minutes. I want to talk now about when you do home improvements. You do something like change out the HVAC at your house or you add on a sunroom to your house, or any kind of improvement, addition, or replacement of something in your home. It is common. I got I got this packet in the mail that I look through. I always try to look through circulars that come to my home to see what trends are. And what I saw fit perfectly with some of what I'm hearing from people who are talking to me here on the show. So I go through this thing, and over and over again, for all different kinds of home improvements, doing siding on the house, windows, you name it, they're all talking about things like no money down, this much money per month, blah, 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 blah. And they're not talking about what it costs for the actual work you're having done. And what I'm seeing as a trend and what I'm hearing from people is that people are losing sight about what they're paying for a job being done at their home because they're getting thrown off by the contractor making it so easy for you to just sign here and say yes, and then you think is what they call in the car business, you think like a payment buyer. Oh, I can afford that. It's $179 a month or whatever it is per month without a focus on what's the total cost of the job. What interest rate am I paying on the loan? Instead, You need to think about 
Who is this contractor? Are they any good? What kind of reputation do they have? If in your state they're required to have a license, are they licensed? You want references. And the way I want you to have references is the last 10 jobs a contractor's done with dates that they did them. Because what you don't want is you don't want to ask for a few references and it turns out one's a cousin, one's a brother-in-law, one's whoever. They're all shills. You want actual real references. And by the way, if you're hiring somebody to do a significant job at your house and you're talking to references that they've done a significant job for, usually people have so much pride about what's happened that they'll invite you over to see the work. Go see it. And ask references. Were promises kept? Was the job done on time? Were there surprises? Were there oops, bills? Some jobs are linear. You're just putting in an HVAC system. So in that case, you want to know the energy efficiency of it. What's the SEER rating? Seasonal energy efficiency ratio. Although I hear that's going to change to a new system. But right now, that's what we have. You'll have a number. higher the number, the more efficient it is, the lower your utility bills are. But it also makes it pretty easy for you to comparison shop that from one company to another. And know that always, when it comes to dollars and cents, being a payment buyer is an enemy to your wallet. Because if you forget to figure out what is the total cost of a job, then you will, really 100% of the time, you'll pay too much. Because you won't be focusing on the total job or how long you'll be in debt and all the rest. You don't want to be in a position where you become obligated for a loan that you'll have moved before you've even finished paying off that loan. You may even mess up a sale of your house because it's an outstanding loan obligation that in your state is secured by the real estate and a buyer doesn't want to assume that liability. Think this through and remember You want to check the reliability and references of a contractor before you hire that contractor. Kevin's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Kevin, you want to talk about borrowing money against your home. Tell me. Uh, I'm out shopping for some equity to actually put on an addition on the house. Wait, and this I'm is looking, so weird. Exactly the kind of stuff I was just talking about. I believe I was going through my mind as you were talking. Um, and I'm looking at it from the standpoint of a home equity line of credit and a home equity loan. And I'm curious to know what is the pros and cons of each as it regards to your credit score. Okay, so it's not a significant difference for your credit score between doing a home equity line and a home equity loan. But there is a uh, significant reason today that many times when you're doing an addition to your home, you want a home equity loan, which will be at a higher initial rate than a home equity line. And let me explain the reasons why. Because we're in a cycle where interest rates are going higher on the rates controlled by the Federal Reserve, home equity lines of credit go up exactly in tandem with increases 
that are put in place by the Federal Reserve. And they already intend to do two more increases this year after just having done one. And so home equity lines of credit are going to be more volatile. Now, after the two more increases, Federal Reserve may take a breather for a while. They may not, depending on what's going on with the economy. But you're in a a loan product that really is for short-term needs, where a home equity loan gives you breathing space of 5, 10, or 15 years at a fixed rate. That brings me to a key question for you, Kevin. Sure. The money you borrow, how long will it take you to pay it back? I'm planning on five years. Well, then a home equity loan for five years would be ideal for you. Okay. Particularly credit unions do very favorable rates, if you have good credit, on five-year home equity loans. They can very easily quantify their interest rate risk. And the rates on a five-year cycle are far more favorable than on the 10 and way, way, way more favorable than on the 15. Yeah. So I think that would be the easy choice in your case. All right. That's what I need. And good luck with the job. Thank you very much. I hope that the contractor makes you happy. Sean is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Sean. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you. You have a house that's completely bought and paid for. It is, it is. I love that. Well, thank you. Um, We are looking um, and would love your uh, expertise on the possibility and if it would be financially sound to rent out our home. We, um, in our... Local area, it currently, uh, the going rate is anywhere from 2200 on up to easily 2600 not including utilities. Um, and our property taxes, right now we currently set aside 800 a month. But we didn't know if the rate of return would, would be worth it. All right, so the way you look at, try to look at rate of return, if you were to sell your house, what would it bring at market? Um, I'm going to guess about four ten. And your property taxes are ten thousand dollars a year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's highway robbery. Well, that's Illinois. <laughs> oh my goodness! And you're telling me in Illinois on a house uh, that is appraised at four hundred thousand, you pay ten thousand a year in property tax. We do. We have a lot and a half, but yes, we, that's what we, we pay around 9500 mm-hmm. <gasps> You're killing me. Okay. <laughs> so the good news is that that is an expense against rent on, you know, if you've been doing uh, rental property, it works for you fine against the property. The key you look at is the value of the home and whether getting uh, 20 $5,000 to $30,000 a year in rent is a good ratio, and I'd say that's a very good ratio. Okay. And so if you're comfortable with being a landlord, then that would be a check mark in favor of being one. Now let's look at oh. what might be an X on being a landlord. Mm-hmm. When you bought this home, what did you pay for it? Uh, $195,000. All right. That would make it a good argument to sell the home. 
instead okay. of turning it into a rental property. And here's the reason okay. why. If you sell it, you will pocket the gain tax-free. Okay. If you turn it into a rental property, eventually you lose that tax-free saleability, and you will have to pay capital gains on the profit you've made over the years you've owned it. Okay. No, that's, that's good information. So you're talking about, let's say, after expenses and things like that, let's just say you're talking $175,000 in profit, just for argument's sake. Then mm-hmm. you may be looking at 30000 in tax or somewhere in that range. Yeah. That you would have in your pocket tax-free because you're allowed, single individual is allowed to pocket a quarter million tax-free, married couple 500000 tax-free. Okay. So what do you think no, you'll do? Well, well, with, um, I, I certainly don't want to end up having to pay tax on that gain. So um, I, we probably will then not rent. And um, it's been very helpful because we've been considering it for over a year, but have never, you know, gone forward and, and certainly wanted to rely on your expertise. So I appreciate that. Well, sure. I'm glad I could be of help. And, you know, it's a classic case where there's pluses and minuses on both sides of the ledger. If the house doesn't sell in a reasonable period of time, turning it into a rental property is obviously very viable as an option. But if it does sell, it sure is nice having that $400,000 minus commissions right in your pocket. Karen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Karen. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, Karen. You have somebody who's got you intrigued about the possibility of winning a million dollars. Tell me about that. Can you believe it? Yes. Yesterday, an acquaintance an acquaintance called me out of the blue, insisting I call a specific telephone number for the millionaire raffle. I was to call this number, ask for a particular person, give them my name, and then see if I was a winner. But like uh, I always tell my husband, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck, et cetera, what's your opinion on this millionaire raffle? Well, we were curious. I guess you gave our producer, Kim, the phone number that you were supposed to call, and we called it. And Joel, what exactly did they say? It says the text mail subscriber you're trying to reach is not available. Text mail (laughs) subscriber. What is a text mail subscriber? I know that sounds shady in and of itself, doesn't it? And so this claims that this is some kind of Facebook thing that you're going to win a million dollars from? Correct. Without without applying, without paying anything, yeah, without anything. Right. You know, this has been a problem over and over and over again with people pretending that there's some kind of Facebook raffle. And I don't know how this one will play out other than I know you're not going to win a million dollars. Your your acquaintance isn't going to win a million dollars. And it it's going to be some kind of con and don't know what the con will be yet. In fact, uh, I'm looking right now. There are all these people posting about it. What do you know about this? What do you know about this? So wow. it, it's become very hot all in the last couple of days. So, you know, the way it works with these scams is they get a quick life. The con artists get whatever they're going to get out of you, whatever con they're running. And then 
weeks or months later, it becomes a news story. So you've done an enormous favor to your fellow listener, Karen, by bringing this up. And at some point in the next week, someone will tip us off on what the scam is that they're running. Okay. But there is no magic that your acquaintance is going to get a million and you're going to get a million and everybody else is going to get a million. Right. I agree. What people will find is just trouble. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Okay. And Karen, if I'm completely wrong and I cost you a million dollars, I'm so sorry. But I'm not wrong here. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Clark. Thank you. <laughs> Joel, do you have an Ask Clark we can do? I do, Clark. Rick wrote and he said, My wife says you recommended a specific router for home wi- Wi Fi. Is there a specific brand or model that you recommend? Well, it's a type. If you have a home where it's been tough getting Wi Fi signal, and I addressed this in full recently on the show, you can see it on our show notes, but it was a new type of router started by a brand called Eero, E E R O. Very expensive. They're now getting cheaper because so many other people are getting into this. Another competitor is called Luma, L-U-M-A. Netgear has one that they sell at Costco that's very expensive. Google sells one that's a deal. And Samsung is selling one. And later this year, as these competitors shake out, the cost of these will get much cheaper. In short... The way this works is they're driven by an app you download to your smartphone, and they use artificial intelligence to see to it that everywhere in your home, the signal for the internet stays as strong as it comes in from the street, from your internet provider, your phone company, or cable company. So they really work. Hey everyone, I'm Maggie McGrath, a staff writer at Forbes magazine and your new host for a show called Forbes on Trump. Politicians are all talk, no action. I'll be speaking with the editors and writers who are reporting on the 45th president. We'll hear what they're finding out about his wealth, his business associates, and the ways in which he and his policies are affecting the economy, consumers, and all aspects of the business world. Somebody has to come out and tell it like it is. Along the way, we'll dive into Forbes archives, which contain decades of information that will add context to the current White House administration. So listen to this. Listen to this. That's Forbes on Trump on Podcast One. Subscribe now at iTunes, and don't forget to rate, review, and share. Stay tuned for 60 seconds of AP News headlines right after this podcast. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to save more and spend less, and don't ever let anyone rip you off. Clark.com is where we serve you on the web. Clarkdeals.com is where we serve your wallet with bargains. A lot of bargains today. One thing I wanted to mention that is in the bargain category right now are running shoes. If you are a runner, there are deals on running shoes from all different kinds of manufacturers. So pretty much whatever brand you like to run in or like to look like you are a runner, (laughs) well... You can, you can look at what we've got, and there are a number of deals from a number of um, bargain sites showing specials on running shoes. And, Joel, I even saw that you like a shoe called a Chuck Taylor. Is that right? I do. That's my favorite. 
There was a deal on Chuck Taylor's today in like a lime color for $20. Is 20 cheap? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. What do you usually pay for them? Yeah, usually a great sale. A good sale is 30 bucks. A great sale is 20 bucks. That's that's a good price. But you wouldn't wear a lime colored one, would you? Might be a little too much for me. Okay. And what is a Chuck Taylor? Is that Converse? Yep, Converse. Okay. So let's talk another brand, Uber. Uber is having a midlife crisis. It's a pretty young company. The CEO's getting all kinds of heat for his behavior in multiple ways. And Uber was using a software package that they've gotten a lot of negative publicity about that was helping them evade law enforcement around the United States and around the world. It was really pretty sinister. They were using, apparently, artificial intelligence software code to to figure out when somebody had asked for a for a pickup who might be an undercover investigator for a local government, and then a ride would suddenly never be available for that person, so they wouldn't be able to sting Uber for operating illegally if they were doing something illegal. Who thinks to do that? They stand accused of uh, stealing software from Apple, not from Apple, from Google, for self-driving cars. I mean, it's just all the way around, they are having a real reputational crisis. And then another Uber driver was just arrested for assault. And so people are really getting down on Uber. It was funny, in our meeting, there were 12 of us in our meeting, and we meet each day before the show from all the disciplines, TV, our off-air advice, our web team, deal site, all that. We all meet and we talk about what things seem to be on your mind. And so we're all talking about the problems at Uber. And then I asked, how many people are still using Uber? And every hand but one went up. So it's part of so many people's lives, especially on the coasts and in the biggest cities. And the thing is, you don't ever know who you're getting in the car with. How good they're how how they drive, if they're going to be terrifying behind the wheel, um, the same thing issue could come up with Lyft. So they're not perfect as a replacement for you driving yourself, unless you're a really lousy driver. <laughs> then it's an improvement if you end up in a car with a lousy driver. So it is at a point where Uber has become so popular and lift to a lesser extent that now it's time for a reassessment and one of the areas that i think needs to be looked at is how are drivers screened austin texas as an example came up with standards to background a driver that uber and lyft both said we're out of here and now any of a number of independents have set up in austin that we're willing to do real backgrounding of people that drive. And so it's time for Uber to stop being an awkward adolescent and become a real business. And I'm not telling you not to ride in an Uber car, but I will tell you as someone who travels all the time and uses 
the car share services a lot, you don't know what you're getting when you order that car. And it could be a great ride, a great experience with a wonderful driver, and it could be something very different. And that inconsistency is what's got to be addressed. Sean is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sean. How are you doing, Clark? Good. How are you? Do you ever ride in an Uber car or a Lyft car? You know, I'm in a pretty rural area. I have not ever used either one. So when you hear me talk about it and other people talk about it, it's like, it doesn't mean anything in your life, does it? Not at all. That's funny. Okay. Well, how can I be of service to you today? Well, um, I've got a couple of questions for you. The first is um, we have successfully attacked most of our debt, and we're trying to set up an emergency fund. That Um, is great news. We've been putting some money aside, but um, I'm also not starting to think ahead for I've got a couple of kids, and we're going to be starting college soon. Um, i still got four years, but um, I know that when you fill out a FAFSA, you, in a sense, get penalized for having a savings account because they expect you to use a good percentage of that to pay for college. Is there any place that I can put my money to not get as penalized? Absolutely. If you were to do what's known as a 529 plan, you eliminate the level of hit that you have for you having resources in a very small percent is calculated out of that 529 as being your resources, but it's a tax-free way for you to build up money for college for your kids, and then you spend the money tax-free as well. And in many states, there's actually a uh, tax benefit where you get a tax deduction when you contribute money into a 529. What state do you live in? I'm in California. We know California today has the distinction of having one of the very best 529 plans in America. And have you ever heard of it? It's called the ScholarShare College Savings Plan. I have not. It's very, very good. Very easy to set up an account. The way it works is you own the account. And you said you have two kids? Correct. So you would set up an account for each child. And you can open one with as little as it varies by state, but in California, $25. You open the account, and then you can add to it as you wish. The reason California's plan is so good, and it's even one that I recommend as one of the plans to look at if your own state plan isn't a good one, is that California charges extremely low expenses. So it works very, very well for you. And the way, the way these plans operate is that whatever money you put in, if it's used for college, for what are referred to as eligible college expenses, Sean, everything you earn from when you start putting money in for your kids till the money is spent, is used for college tax-free. And you know in California with very high income tax rates and then federal income tax, tax tax-free is 
wonderful. It effectively means you have a lot more money for them. But how does that affect my um, emer- my emergency fund? Okay, so it's a whole different thing than having an emergency fund. You know, you, you said three things to me, and I got lost in the weeds on them. If I recall, you said <laughs> you had you have successfully attacked debt. You pretty much wiped it out. Now it's time to have some some breathing space in your life and have a rainy day account. And by the way, you have kids that aren't getting any younger, and you got to pay for their college. You don't want to save money in a rainy day account and have it affect their ability to qualify for financial aid for college. Right. So you got a lot of things working together at the same time. So when money is in your name, when you look at how colleges calculate how it affects your kids' eligibility for financial aid, they expect you to spend roughly five, six percent of what five to six percent of what you have in cash for your kids' college. The other ninety five percent approximately is yours to keep. So you can have money in a rainy day account and most of it will not be looked at with greedy eyes by a college. So you can do your rainy day and put it in a simple online savings account. You'll earn about one and a quarter percent right now on that. And the money is available to you typically on two days notice. Okay, that's where I currently have it. Okay, so you're doing the rainy day thing right. But the other half of what you alluded to, the kids' college, the 529 is where it's at. So is it my understanding that the when applying for the FAFSA and they look at student assets, they expect a much, much, much higher percentage of contribution? Right. They clobber you for any money in a kid's name. When a kid is going to college, they expect that money that the only purpose of it really is to pay directly for that college experience. So that's why with a 529 account, you never have the kids own it. You own it with your each of your children in the two accounts as beneficiary. And then it's treated as a parental asset, not a kid's asset. Okay. So that leads me to my second major question. What's that? My, t- my 12-year-old wants to open an investment account, and I need a place for him to do it, and... What are the consequences if and when he gets to go to college? So good for him that he's into investing. And there are a number of choices available to a kid now to do investing. As far as the answer, let me deal with the second half of it first. Whatever your child has in it, each year he'll be expected to use roughly a third of that for college under today's rules. So, But six, seven years from now, the rules may be different, but that's how it works now. Mm-hmm. So if he's a good saver investor, he would be expected to, to use a third of that when you think about the FAFSA formula. It doesn't mean technically he is to sell any of it. It means right. you might be paying more for his college. Now, as far as how to invest, the account that I – there's an account I used to talk about for kids all the time – and not available anymore. So now my fallback is Charles Schwab. 
that will allow him to open an investment account with a $100 minimum deposit. And then everything available in the investment world, owning individual stocks, owning funds, owning exchange-traded funds, all available to him to manage in that account as long as he's got a million dollars, a hundred dollars to open it, he's good to go. And Charles Schwab is a fantastic company. He'll be able to do pretty much everything online with them, buying, selling, tracking his investments, learning about them, studying them, reading if he does funds, reading how the fund works, and they offer a wide variety of funds that you can invest in commission-free. Daryl is with us. Hello, Daryl. Welcome to the Clark Howard Show. Everything going well with you? Yes, it is. Hi, Clark. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. You got to go on a cruise. Well, we're working on a cruise. Uh, I'd like to put it together for some friends uh, in a group cruise. Okay. So Panama. You're going to put a whole bunch of you together on this cruise? Uh, We'd like to do that, yes. Are you putting together enough that you get a free cabin yourself, or are you just taking on all the effort? Well, the effort and hoping to do that and share some of the gain that way. Okay. So I'll tell you, have you done this before? Yes. Okay, so you know no good deed can go unpunished. So one thing I'll tell you, in writing, make sure all your friends know the cruise line's policy on cancellations. Right. Because you never want somebody to say, wait, 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 I mean, I can't back out now and I lose all this money? Yes, right. I understand. But th- that goes along the lines of where you're curious about lost money, doesn't it? Right. What's the scoop on that part? Well, I've heard, I believe I've heard you advise and, and others too uh, not to buy the travel insurance from the cruise company. Yes. Uh, and and I find that that's a convenient way to do it, and it's more expensive not doing it that way. Well, what the cruise lines offer is not actually real insurance. Right. It, it is their own protection plan. Well, and the problem with they're the underwritten, cru- excuse me, they're underwritten by insurance companies, though. Well, see, the thing is, it's kind of like when you go to rent a car and they start peddling all the the quasi-insurance coverages. It's not the same stuff. As an example, this is not really an issue today. The cruise industry financially is much stronger, but there was a time period where cruise lines were folding, and people who bought coverage from the cruise lines were out their money. People who bought independent policies were covered for what they called supplier default, the cruise line going bust. But as a general, not not universal statement, but generally it's true, the independent policies you can buy will be more thorough than what you get buying a protection plan from the cruise line itself. Mm-hmm. So what I would love for you to do is spend some time on the website insuremytrip.com right. and okay. compare the policies that you find there versus what the protection plans are being offered by the cruise line. And what's the typical age of the people in this group that will be uh, Most of them are going to be uh, high 60s, early 70s, I right. think. And that age range 
with any of the insurance plans or the protection plan from the cruise line, pay very close attention to your eyes are watering to what is considered to be a covered medical reason to be able to cancel because you got to pay particularly attention to what they consider to be pre-existing or when any pre-existing clause will be waived in the purchase of a protection plan or insurance. Thanks for listening to the Clark Howard Podcast. Download new episodes every Monday through Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Everyone sells today. So how do you bring your best sales game every day? Simple. Listen to the Advanced Selling Podcast on Podcast One. Hi, I'm Bill Kasky. And I'm Brian Neal. Each week, we answer listener questions like, how do I compete against a cheap competitor? And Brian's favorite, because he always has an answer to this, how do I meet with a CEO when they won't even return my calls? The Advanced Selling Podcast is where the best go to get better. Listen Mondays on Podcast One and on iTunes. Hey, have you heard about that great new podcast called Fan Club? It's a short series that explores why we love what we love. In each episode, you're going to hear amazing, brilliant people across the pop culture landscape. There's musicians, artists, fashion designers, chefs, even scientists, all talking about how their work is being experienced today and how they think it'll be experienced in the future. So don't miss it. Make sure you subscribe to Fan Club now at vbybiacom.com slash fan club or wherever you listen to your podcasts. What we're learning about the Manchester bomber. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. The father of the alleged Manchester suicide bomber says his son didn't do it. We don't believe in killing innocents, he told the AP. But the father reportedly was a member of an al-Qaeda-backed group in Libya years ago. That, according to a former Libyan security official. Meanwhile, police have carried out raids on a block of apartments in Manchester. Witnesses say they heard explosions. Alan Kinsey was a neighbor of the alleged bomber. The actual family that had been there, I'd, I'd never really come across them yeah. in bad ways. It was always, even when I said hello, he never seemed to speak back to you. He was just like, kept themselves to themselves, and that was about it. The British putting more military troops on the streets now as police say it's clear this is a network they're investigating. President Trump has arrived in Brussels for NATO meetings after a visit this morning with the Pope at the Vatican. I'm Rita Foley.